0: back to Cycling Podcast, everybody. I'm Kayleigh Fretz. It is... After Stage 5, we are... Well, Ronan, why don't you tell me where we are?
1: We're in Valenciennes, not too far from where we, the stage finished in Nuremberg today. Uh, and behind us, we're, we're sort of in a nice little square here. Uh, a bit further inland today, so it's a bit warmer. And um, we have a restaurant that we're eating at behind us. But more importantly, we have Fab's Irish Pub to the left of us here. Uh, so... We're supposed to be heading to Brussels to stay in an airport hotel so that I can not fly out of the Brussels airport tomorrow morning as planned. Uh, and then after I don't fly out of Brussels airport tomorrow morning, we're going to drive to the state start in. Where's the state start tomorrow? Binch? No. Binch, yes. Binch, Binch. Yeah. yeah. Which is also It's awesome a long
0: way. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a wildly inefficient evening. <laughs> really? Which, yeah. Like you said, you were supposed to fly out tomorrow, and then we basically made a late call. I believe that's the call has been made, to keep you here for another couple we're, of days.
1: We're not confirmed yet. But we're, we're looking for uh, okay. flights out of Lyon and trains out of Frankfurt and all sorts. But it uh, yep. looks, looks like I'll be on the ground for a few days. So more. we're
0: just going to drive up to Brussels for no reason and then yes. drive right back down tomorrow morning.
1: Because, you know, until two days ago when I thought I was flying out of Brussels, we had a hotel in Lille, which is not too far from here. <laughs> but because I wasn't flying, was not flying out of Brussels, we canceled that hotel in Lille. Just so we could stay at a hotel in Brussels so that I would not fly out of Brussels. (sighs) Ah... Listeners, I'm sure you don't really care about this. So,
0: Johnny, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's nine days
2: in since I've been on the road for the tour, and I'm still feeling good. I'm waiting to crash. I think the racing's picking up now, so it's... And you guys have obviously arrived, so it feels like the tour has started now.
1: You definitely got a second one too, whenever you heard that I might be staying.
2: Right, you're you're, you you're know what? It's, it's hard to find good people to like travel with the bike race on the road, and you're a, you're a steady hand and you're good fun, and that's a you know, I'm giving it's a, it's a compliment which I don't often do on, on the podcast. Don't compliment
1: but an Irish man; I can't handle it.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it will be good. You're, you're and he gets quotes for
1: us. He's the rider whisperer
2: and yeah. the team boss whisperer, and he just floats through the, butt, the paddock and just arrives with like here's Mauro Gianetti talking to me exclusively, and it's like. Can you just tell me how... Because you do the tech and now you do the racing and I'm... Am I feeling threatened? No. <laughs> yes,
1: maybe. The good thing is I can't write so you're safe Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> well, we have a lot to talk about today. That was a... That was a... pretty fascinating stage. There was a lot that went down. There were some GC implications. There were... Uh, well, there were winners and losers and and the break stayed away which is always an interesting thing to see at Tour de France. And... Something that's happened sort of fairly often at, not fairly often, happens more often than you think at Perry roubaix but today was not a sort of full Perry roubaix We'll talk about all that, talk about Simon Clark and Wal van Art and Jonas Vingago and Primoz Roglic and all the rest things that happened today. But first, you have probably spotted it by now either on segment tips or on TV. In fact, I think most of the riders today were on this bike that I'm about to tell you about. The new Trek Madone SLR is here and it's the fastest road bike they've ever made. That's why the men's and women's Trek Segafredo teams will use the bike this month at the Tour de France. Trek found aero improvements all over the place on this bike, both in the frame and cockpit and rider position. According to Trek's testing, The new Madone SLR is 19 watts faster at 45 kilometers per hour than the previous version. It's also the lightest Madone Trek has ever made. And that little hole in the back means that you still get the ISO speed stuff, but without ISO speed. Uh, That's not in the ad that I'm supposed to read, but that's the the idea anyway. (laughs) Lightest dusk. Uh, Lightest dusk break Madone. (laughs) Listen, Ronan, I don't write the ads, so... (laughs) Apparently it's the lightest disc Madone they've ever made. It's significantly lighter than the last one, basically. Visit Trekbikes.com to see the new Madone SLR. And thanks to Trek for sponsoring today's Tour Daily episode. Now, gentlemen, let's kick things off with a little recap. Johnny, where are we now? Where is where is the Tour de France? Where what happened today?
2: What happened today? Simon Clark, who wasn't really sure of a contract this year. is now on a stage of the Tour de France from the break. It was a weird sprint. It, uh, when Nielsen Paulus went off the front, it kind of looked like he had enough of a gap to, to take the stage victory, which would, would have been a huge moment. Um, but then the, the metres seemed to last for longer than regular metres do, maybe because we're used to those bunch sprints where they they'd just chop 100 metres and 100 metres off without... Without anything, um, Simon Clark beat Taco van der Hoorn in the sprint at the end after Edvald Bosenhagen in third did an exemplary lead out uh, for Simon Clark, which I'm sure he's very very thankful for. Nilsson Paulus was fourth after his uh, early effort, he attacked early and at the start they didn't really, Edvald Bosenhagen didn't react, they knew that they could bring him back. Magnus Court was also part of the five-man move of the day but he dropped off with 6k to go in the last cobbled sector. Then behind them in 6th and 7th, which we'll, we'll talk about later in more detail, about 45 seconds behind the stage winner was Jasper Stoyven and Tadej Pogacar, which is a surprise. Um, and then about 13 seconds behind them, it was the, the reduced peloton with a lot of the, thank you Ronan, a lot of the uh, GC guys, a lot of the top beer. guys. Bro, those too. Uh, Naira Quintana, Jonas Art, the, the Ineos boys. And that doesn't really sum it up, but it's hard to, it's hard to really succinctly sum it up when even watching on TV, it was pretty hard to
0: figure out what, just what was going on. Well, luckily we've had enough time to sort of digest it at this point. I think we have a pretty good idea of what <laughs> happened, <laughs> hopefully. Oh, really briefly about Simon Clark. Uh, you would struggle, I think, to find a nicer rider Mm. in in the pro peloton totally total journeyman like he's just you know he's worked for others most of his career he's had some pretty decent results over the years but for most of his career he's been working for others and i would say this is the first tour he's had in quite some time i'm trying to think back to his you know he's he's a ef for a while a kubeka for a while and that was the source of his of his well job insecurity over the winter is when when kubeka folded he got picked up by Israel Premier Tech. Uh, and they brought him to this Tour de France, again, after not having a contract through much of the winter. And they have, he's he's repaid them with, with their first, I believe their first ever Tour de France victory. And like I said, he's just he's just sort of a genuinely nice guy. We chatted with him this morning, actually, as part of an, an incoming Nerd Alert podcast. Uh, had no idea that he was gonna go on to do this today, obviously we were t- asking him about the fact that he was riding with one bottle because he had, he only had one bottle cage on his bike this morning. That was the sort of extent of the questions that we asked him. And but he was, you know, he's always has time for the press, always has time for everybody. And I'm just, I, I like seeing guys like that take such a big win at this point in their careers. Yeah,
1: the, we're literally talking about six months ago. This guy was technically speaking an amateur cyclist because he had he had no professional contract in January of this year. And I spoke to Mike Woods after the states today, and Woods was saying that he had advocated really hard within the team to sign Simon Clark. And now, you know, so, I mean, we spoke to him this they morning. They
0: together at EF. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we spoke with him this morning, and I don't think it crossed anybody's mind that we might be speaking to today's stage winner yet. No, I mean, we,
0: we literally, we waited outside the bus for him because we noticed that he had only one bottle cage, and we wanted to ask him about that. That was the extent of the reason why we talked to him, which his answer was quite interesting. You can, you can go listen to Nerd Alert for the full answer, but... Basically, he he pulled it off for weight reasons, uh, which is an interesting decision, I would say. But anyway, happy for Simon Clark. Just just like I said, genuinely good guy. Always has time. Uh, no, you can't say that about everybody in this bike race. Like that, you know, there are nice people and there are
1: dicks in every line of work. Simon's one of the good guys. Uh, I think one of the other good guys is Taco Vanderhorn, who you know that. The two of them came in. It was such a close finish that on the shots that we've seen live, nobody quite knew who had won it. Uh, we, you know, we had to wait for the photo finish to be sure. And Taco Van der horn is a rider who's sort of he's moved into the pro peloton later or at an older age than many do, uh, but he's already chalked up a zero stage one last year and looked like he might take a tour stage one this year. And that sprint up to the finish line—it was like I think all five riders in that breakaway were just dead on their feet. Because the sprint, it was like in slow motion. It was like they were all had selected. They, they just agreed we're going to put it in the biggest gear we have, fifty four eleven, and whoever can turn it will win the stage. <laughs> you know that obviously that's not what they did, but that that's sort of what it looked like. And I think that's just an indication of how how deep they had gone in the stage to maintain a gap that, with twenty five k to go, looked like an impossibility. But like we've seen so many times this year already. They break away. Somehow managed to survive. Fight out for the break. Fight out for the win. Uh, and of course, that only one of them can take that one.
0: Just and a super strong group too. I mean, that that certainly helped. I mean, they were losing time. Sorry, they were gaining time. The the pogaccia group was losing time on them over the last ten k. So they they were pulling time out on two guys who had only been off the front for. 10k or so and are two of the strongest riders in the entire peloton so it it was a strong and it wasn't a particularly long stage that's the other thing to kind of kind of remember here is it wasn't a 215 or something like that still at the end of all of that they were able to to pull out time on two of the strongest riders on earth right now it was a strong strong group and you had you had magnus court i think who's been in the breakaway every single day so far this race he definitely sort of Laid it all on the line for Palace at the end there, and took one sort of big, massive pull, and then pulled the pulled the plug and and drop back. So that that helped them take a couple seconds at the end.
2: We were at the same hotel as Enios and last night, and this morning we were in the lobby and we saw Magnus Court walk past and like go back to his room, and he was like, "It's like he'd been riding a horse for like two days," and he was walking very slowly, and it was like he looks like he spent three days in the breakaway. The last thing after seeing that you thought is that. He'd be up there again today.
1: Death by breakaway.
2: You reckon.
0: <laughs> I mean he's get, yeah. That man needs a rest day already. <laughs> We've already, already had one. Had one. <laughs> he,
1: needs he needs another one already. Just on before we delve into the GC um, ramifications from today's stage, a word for Nielsen Paulus as well, who I think, you know, would have known that he was close to taking the yellow jersey coming into the finish today. And he, he still went all in for the stage one. Now, obviously with that stage one, would have came 10 bonus seconds, which would have significantly helped his chances of gaining yellow jersey. But still, he made what was almost a perfect move right onto the flam ruse, launched an attack from the back, sort of waited until he, the riders in front of him weren't looking, planned his, and timed his attack perfectly. And then it just, again he was the first to get bogged down in like his biggest gear uh 54 11 that looked like he was just doing 50 or 60 rpm there he's dying a thousand deaths trying to get to the line and and just came up short but i think he deserves a you know a, a chapeau for first of all coming so close to the yellow but then also going all in for the win when many riders would freeze in that scenario like i could get the yellow i'm gonna ride on the front well so i i do want to sort of have a bit of a debate here as to whether he
0: should have done that like whether he should have just he's a very good time trial Whether he should just put his head down and try to get those 13 seconds but before i before we get to that little bit <laughs> he is i've i've never sprinted against him personally but i believe he's a terrible sprinter and i and i also think that that was kind of confirmed with his move at the end there it was perfectly executed you know he dropped back what five six yards five six five six meters, and then kind of came up into the slipstream and then popped over the left side of the road and put put the power down. But Johnny, we were st- we were standing outside the Arkea bus where there was a, a a TV, and we're watching this happen. And we both kind of turned to each other and we we're like, "Is he attacking? Like, is he sprinting? Because it took yeah, him it so long slow, to get yeah. up to speed." <laughs> he was like, he was sort of riding on the left side of the that the the, the breakaway group not really going any faster like he was up out of the saddle not really going any faster he kind of got up to speed eventually but not a um
1: not a particularly punchy rider i don't think if if it was to be in any way critical it looked like he did hesitate for a split second he maybe could have launched from a bit further He he had a decent gap to the to the wheel in front of him and he maybe could have launched a bit further from a bit further back and sort of ran into the wheel and then swung left but you know i think if he could have accelerated harder, he probably would have. But you know, when you seen him tie up in the finish there, that sort of indicates that he, he was giving everything he had. And I sort of easy in hindsight now, when you see the gap that he is from the jersey, 13 seconds, then not only did he need to time trail his way to the finish line, but he needed the ten bonus seconds for winning also. So, you know, it, either way, again, easy in hindsight. It wasn't it wasn't gonna work out for him today. Um I don't so, I don't see I I'm not
0: In the end, I agree with you that I think he made the right call and he he made the classy call and the the decision to sort of ride with more panache and go for that stage win. I really appreciated that and I liked that. But I'm also not totally convinced that if he had just put his head down and drilled it, he couldn't have gotten 13 seconds back because there was a bit of messing around at one or two K to go. They kind of looked at each other for a little while. They slowed way down for a little while. It doesn't take much time off the gas to lose 13 seconds, right? So if he had just immediately put his head down, hit the front when all that stuff started to happen. I wonder how close he could have gotten to that yellow. I, I think it would have been a matter of a couple seconds in either direction to that yellow jersey. And, and I mean, we'll never know, right? It's, it's just pure speculation. But I hope he doesn't dwell on that. But I, I fear he might because I genuinely think that he maybe could have pulled it back.
2: I think the fact that he knew that he wasn't the best sprinter in the group, because when you're in that situation... And especially it's like a Roubaix tour stage you're thinking like if i win this and that is that's it like you, you as a pro you, you don't necessarily win that many bike races apart from the top guys so you're thinking about that but then apparently also there was a there's a corner on the running after he attacked where he took it quite wide a couple of people were saying and he kind of messed up the corner and didn't really take the racing line where that might have cost him i don't know but i think you've got a i think you've got to go for the stage win in that situation i don't know we've
0: i think given the fact that there was 10 seconds on the line yeah. And the fact that a stage win at the Tour de France is a big deal. I, I think that like the balance of available upside <laughs> tilts that direction. right? But it's it's a really hard call to make probably in real time, and I'm sure that he was spending the last 30k mm. thinking about it.
1: All, all ifs and buts, but I sort of think had this been last year's Tour de France, part of this might have just put his head down and rode solely for the stage one. But having had a few significant results towards the tail end of last year, in the world championships he probably fancied himself coming into the finale of a very tough stage you know yeah. that, so perhaps that played a bit into his calculations
2: also how many days are you going to wear yellow for it's not like we've got a couple of flat stages we've got I think tomorrow is a really sharp finish yep. in the Belgium stage and after that you've got the super one day's enough, man. a couple of kilometers at yeah. 6% or so Is one, yeah, but one day in the yellow versus a tour stage win like how do you
0: balance those up
1: that's the easy question, which we probably don't want to delve into now. But.
0: What would you take, Ronan? Stage win of the Tour de France or, like, let's say two days in the old jersey? Stage in the Ross. <laughs> Love that. Love <laughs> <laughs> that. Pass on to
2: the last.
3: <laughs>
2: That's the second uh, Shimei talking.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but um, as they say, we're quite close to Belgium tonight. And as they say in Belgium, Paulus today went for the double slag. Double, double slag, walk. Double slag. Nice. Double cream. Okay. He went for the stage victory and the jersey. Okay. And in the end, up, he rolled the dice, and it didn't, didn't land right for him. It was a classy Claps. ride, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Classy What's ride from him. For classy ride from Simon
0: Clark. Classy ride from Taco Vanderhorn. Just classy day all around, I think. We should, though, move on to a bit of GC talk, perhaps. Uh, do we want to start? With Yumbo nightmare, or do we want to talk more positive about the crazy things that
1: Pogacha did today? We started in the positive. You put the negative oh, in the think, middle, and you finish in a positive. I was thinking chronologically. Right. That's <laughs> how you <laughs> break bad news. Oh, is it okay? It's All right, so we're gonna start in a positive.
0: Let's let's talk about let's talk about Tade pretty phenomenal day today. I mean, I mean, you know, last night we spent a fair amount of time talking about how. If there is a weakness in his team in particular, today was it. Because he didn't have Mateo Trenton. And that I think that 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 played out, right? He was solo, <laughs> I don't know, from the start. Did his team make it through the neutral? I don't I've not, I didn't see them basically at all. He was solo that whole time. But one thing that we know about Pagaccio, and we've known this for quite some time, is that he doesn't necessarily really need any help. And as long as he didn't have any bad luck, as long as he didn't have a crash or a flat tire, or a mechanical of some sort, then he wasn't going to need anybody else around him. And, and he proved that, that that was the case today because, well, <laughs> he was the one that that put the hammer down at the end and dropped everybody except for, yes, Rostoyven.
2: Can I put a positive spin on... I see, you know, you see Pogaccio off the front on the Roubaix stage, and was like, well, the Tour's over, you know, the G's passed over. Maybe it's not, maybe something else. You never know what's going to happen. But I think the positive spin you can put on... Pog dominating on the cobbles is that it would make him this year be a really pure and tour, pure and true Tour de France winner. He's obviously the best up the climbs. He's a really good time trialist, and now he can also do it on the cobbles. And as much as people want change and they want, they don't want um They don't want, uh, periods of dominance. The fact that he also dominated today, I think you've got to you've got to just hand it to him. Really,
1: yeah, and I put it to his uh, team director, Mauro Gianetti, after the stage, is is there anything that Pogaccia mm. can't do? Or have they ever found anything that Pogaccia can't do? He can't rap, maybe, according Juggle. to some sections of the internet. Uh,
0: yeah, I'd rap, definitely. You know. I like it, but I can understand why it hits, maybe, you know. Like, can you I'd, do a Rubik's Cube?
2: Specifically,
1: is there anything he can't do on the bike, then? Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: a wheelie? Can you not do a wheelie?
1: With that, we should ask him that tomorrow. If there's a race involved, he probably can't. Oh, uh, yeah. But Giannetti was very keen to... Like he had a to wheelie do. stage at some point. <laughs> someone, someone in
2: the comments on the website said, uh, let, let's put him in like a downhill race. And it was like,
1: well, he... I don't know if you've seen him. He probably would win that, <laughs> maybe. He attacked downhill on gravel on Strada Bianchi. <laughs> <and then laughs> 60 kilometers solo. <laughs> so maybe not the way to beat him. But anyway, what Gianetti was keen to do was very try to play down as much as possible against performance today I think he was trying to keep it calm and say yeah he did really well and it was a good performance and I asked him specifically about Pogaccia being isolated so early on without a team around him and you know they sort of said well you know sometimes you can have a team around you and it can be two or three climbers in front of you who have never ridden cobbles before and actually might be more of a hindrance than a help uh, so they didn't really see that as an issue and then Brandon McNulty who wasn't supposed to help and Mikael Berg who was supposed to help Pagacci on the cobbled sectors, both of those. Uh, Bjerg has been ill and has bad form, according to Giannetti. Mm. And uh, Brandon McNulty had a crash, so wasn't there in the final. So that sort of explained how he ended up in his own. But as much as Giannetti wanted to play it down, I was still around the bus whenever Pagacci came back from the press mm. press uh, interviews in that post stage. And there was a lot of high-fiving, a lot of celebrating, yeah. a lot of fist-bumping, a lot of hugging. Uh, <laughs> they were pretty delighted with how today's stage went and I think that's because as we discussed last night this was sort of any opportunity to yeah. to make a difference and yumbos and as well yeah. and instead of them making a difference it was at one point it looked like the worst case scenario where instead of <laughs> yeah. Pogaccia losing time and really having to race on the offensive for the coming weeks he was actually at one point like 40 seconds ahead of any other GC favorite with just stuiving it with him and it was like yeah, at that point, it was kind of almost Why well, was despair. still
0: still pulling? I mean, I guess he just, yeah. he, he, well, he he has no GC rider to ride for. His only reason to be up there is to get a stage win. So I guess he just put your head down and go.
1: And I spoke to, I, I didn't get speaking to Steuven, but I got speaking to uh, Jacob Kennison, the press officer with Trek Segafredo, And sort of the theory that Jacob had, and I agree with, was that, you know, it, it would have been okay for Pogacic or for Stuyven to sit on Pogaccia had there been no riders in front right. and then it's so on, on Pogaccia, but if Stuyven sits on, Pogaccia's not going to close that gap to the five riders in front on his own. And then what's he sitting on for, fifth, sixth place? That's that's not what he's racing for, whereas if he rides with Pogaccia, the two of them get across to the five in front, all of a sudden Stuyven is a favorite for the stage. So. There was I, a lot of question marks, but I think he was right in riding.
0: Well, I, I guess my question was more about like at some point it was clear they weren't going to close the gap, and he kept riding, which I guess is maybe just again, it's a classy thing to do. You keep you keep. But just in case, pulls. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but early on, for sure. I mean, it, it, the only option was the only successful day for Trek today was a stage win. So obviously, you're just going to put your head down and ride. At eight k to go, he's still taking pulls, and they're not going to close it. I don't know, kudos. <laughs> just you're, you're just Sisyphus rolling your rock up a hill at that point. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you get the UAE
2: money in a couple of years when your contract runs out. You never know how these things can end yeah. up.
0: Yeah, it's good to make friends. It's good to make friends. And frankly, like, I feel like at some point, you know you're on TV, you're having a good day, yeah. you're showing the rest of the world how strong you are. You just keep rolling. You don't have
1: right? to it. You don't want to be the guy not no. pulling. Yeah. Bad vibes. Think back to a year ago when the stage of Pagacha first took the old jersey on the tour I can't remember what the stage it was but he attacked from way 30-40 kilometres out
2: yeah the when they first got to the Alps wasn't it
1: yeah it completely unrelated but even on that stage Stuyven was like dropped much later into that stage than he really had any right to be he was hanging on to mm. the front group well well into that stage so I think he just likes riding hard <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was no chance of him winning that, that on that stage but he was still there when there was only 30 other guys in the peloton so I think he's yeah Full gas or no gas.
2: The last thing on UAE, they were from, from what, when listening to your interview with Gianetti, they, they were really worried at the start of the, of the, start of the day. And you can see that it could have been so much more different. So if Pogacar gets the puncture or has a crash, and then you have Jamba Visma, Ineos, other interested parties in that big reduced peloton and they, they ride with the same power that they closed the gap with, but away from Pog, that's minutes. And maybe we look back, and this is the stage that then decided the race, based on luck and misfortune.
1: Well, I think the I think the big difference there is how teams react when the shit does hit the fan, which is what happened yeah. for a couple of teams today. Nice segue. And yes, Progach, you know, he he had the the rub of the green today, so to speak. Things. He, when he, does he not? Well, when does when he not, does he not? But also, despite having no team, he was. We constantly seen them on our screens, which is normally yeah. a bad thing, but on a stage like today, it's a good out thing. of trouble. Yeah. You're out of trouble, you're in front of any chaos that can happen. Apart from one, you can see where you're ready. going. What you can see where you're
0: going, yeah, <laughs> big help, <laughs> big
1: help. So, you at that point, you're you know, you're taking luck into your own hands, you're you're giving yourself the best chance possible of having good luck. Mm. And not to say that Yumbo or any of us did the opposite or, or were sitting at the back or anything like that, but I certainly think. Pugaccia gave himself the opportunity today for yeah. things to go right, which for GC riders like himself in previous years, they they didn't really have the skill set or they d- didn't really have the ability to put themselves in the position Pugaccia was putting themselves in. He was so smooth across
2: those cobbles. When you saw him near the front, and there was like, I think at one point there was an EF guy on the front, like
0: gripping in the middle of the handlebars, and then Pog, Pog was just behind, like.
2: Like smooth tomac. It was
0: incredible to he see. He looked really comfortable. He looked, yeah, impressively comfortable. And like looking around and <laughs> like having a little cigar like in the <laughs> old days, a bad <laughs> bottle of wine. He really was. It's He's he's an incredible bike rider. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, we may be in the age of Tade at this point and it, it, I don't know, maybe five, six years from now when he keeps winning the Tour de France, it will begin to drag on. But I'm trying to take a more positive view of the fact that like we're seeing one of the best bike racers in 40, 50 years. Especially after today,
2: because I think this was the one thing, obviously Tour of Flanders, he was amazing, but it's different to Roubaix and this isn't a full Roubaix, but now he he has proven he can do it all. And I think that means that you can really be like, right, he's overcome everything. Like the tour put in the rebate stage is like, right, take this Pog
0: We're we're kind of still do it. We're kind of lucky that we're in the middle of the Tour de France right now. And so we're not getting lots of, is he the next Mercs uh, lines, which tend to be sort of an off season. Well, the Belgians are busy with Walt Van Aert and like all this stuff going on
2: at Jumbo. (laughs) So we're thankful for that.
0: An excellent transition. Let's talk about the stuff going on at Jumbo. Uh, So did a piece today kind of dissecting the issues at, at Yumbo, we've since actually since I wrote that piece, we've gotten some other insight and chatted with some other folks, and and uh, let's just sort of run through it. So first and foremost, uh, Vingegaard had a a mechanical, had some sort of chain issue, uh, had to yank it out of his or, well, he was trying to yank it out of his his or uh, in between his crankset and his frame, and then Ben Hoydonk, when he eventually got on the bike, was the one that actually freed it. Regardless, he had an issue. He has to change bikes, right? There's other Jumbo riders around, there's a team car not that far behind, but something happened that led him to get on <laughs> Ben Hoidong's bike, just so everybody is aware. Vingigo is five foot nine, 175 centimeters. And Ben Hoidong is six four. <laughs> 1. 193, <laughs> 193 centimeters, 1.93. Uh, so, yeah, he didn't fit. <laughs> you could see
2: he was trying to clip in, and it was like...
0: <laughs> you could see he literally got on the bike and was like, oh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> That's not going to work. So, you know, he's like, he's just standing up out of the saddle because he can't get in the saddle, going as as well as he can to try to get as, you know, stay as close as he can until the team car gets there. But then the team car pulls up, and he gets off Van Hooydong's bike, who is now almost caught him, by the way,
2: we're, we're, no, we're, we're watching, oh, we're, watching we're, we're, right look, we're, we're recapping, we're looking at the gifts as you say it, and, okay. <laughs> and you're not lying about anything, this is exactly what happened, Just it's crazy. Just
1: while, just while we have you interrupted, I, I want to just say that it wasn't even an option to ride out of the saddle for a prolonged period of time, because you cannot ride out of the saddle across the pave. That's true. That's it, it, it's just not an option. Yeah. So he's riding, they're on, they're on the
0: pavement at this point, uh, he's riding out of the saddle, and eventually... You know, gets some sort of word that the team car is coming. Swings off to the left side of the road, if I remember correctly. Uh, jumps off of Van Hooydonk's bike. Van Hooydonk is like 50 meters behind him at this point and comes up and gets his own bike back. <laughs> Switches bikes. Vingago runs across the road, which is a yeah. terrible idea with things going by you at 50 kilometers an hour. Uh, generally not, not the best thing to do is to go on the opposite side of the road as, as your director's car. Finally gets his own bike back, while Van Aert comes flying by around this
1: time, mm. and then starts chasing. But there's even one point when Van Hoeydon gets back on his own bike, Vinegos swings across the road to get his own bike, and then Van Hoeydon lays his own, his, oh, his yeah. bike down in the grass, and runs San's bike. <laughs> It's it, it's uh, the road to give Vinigo a push. It's a Despite gift that bike, will live mechanic, on yeah.
2: for for the ages. Like when it's like oh, when it so sums up Jumbo-Visma in this period. If they don't manage to win the tour, that this is the gift that will oh yeah encapsulate it all because it's, there was one they panic.
0: point there was a point at which was it four Jumbo riders were on the wrong bike or no bike
1: at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> There's riders. Bailing off their bikes <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, <laughs> There's somebody else who comes into shot Can't quite make it it is Another young right there yeah. And he just like bolts himself off the bike <laughs> He's like, For yeah. no reason There's a peloton between him and Vinigo. Yeah Vingogol, he And only just, just crosses the road
2: Before the, the peloton comes past It is At the time you were just so shocked about what was going on But when you watch it back and watch it on loop in a gif <laughs> It,
0: it slowly button.
2: starts to sink in About what's going on
0: it was terrible. It was, so uh, Michael Rasmussen, who maybe having crashed four times in the same time trial, doesn't have a whole lot of, of, of leg to stand on here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nonetheless, he made a, a good point about the fact that like, there, was some, there was some communications failures here. There were some director failures here. Like There was not clear instructions or, or either Vingigo should have known what to do and didn't or no one was telling him. And I don't know where the fault exactly mm. lies, but there were absolutely some, there were some issues at Yumbo today. And it's a team that we normally think of as being incredibly dialed and put together. And mm. generally that's in the sense of, of things like time trials, but this is a different arena. And they, they did not pass the test today.
1: For me, this, the incident today, or the series of incidents today, and the frequency with which we see, not not at the level that we've seen today, but quite often we see incidents like this where Yombo's entire Grand Tour can falter on a single day worth of bad luck. You, you, you make start your own as, luck. You gotta start asking questions about the management here. You know, there, there's Wife on Art who you have to assume is incredibly cool, calm, and collected when he's on the bike, mm. and has the power to rectify almost any situation. But- Which he did. But. In what she did, yeah, but in listening to Van Hooydonk doing his interview with the the Belgian press, but an hour after the stage, the word he kept using was panic and panicking, and he was speaking in <laughs> Flemish, so he was saying it a couple of different ways. But it was it was clear that he, he first of all mentioned that. Vinego's chain got stuck between the crankset and the chainstays, that was the initial problem but after that he said that Vinigo was completely panicked and if he said that once he genuinely said it about 10 times and you got to think that in that situation, what you need coming from the car is mm. di- calm and direct c- direction as to what to do we are coming, your bike is on the way do this, do that, do the other But what you don't need is any sort of excitement or nervousness coming down the radio. And it felt, it, it seemed from the outside, and although I didn't get the, I didn't i didn't hear Van Houten perfectly, and my Flemish isn't perfect either, it seemed like there was confusion coming from the car also. And that's, you know, at this level, if you have that sort of confusion coming through the radio, in such an intense situation, it, it's only going to magnify the problem. And time and time again, We've seen Jumbo-Visma falter on a single stage. I missed an entire bike change in my
0: little recap there. Uh, so, so he gets Van Hoydong's bike. He he goes for a little, goes for a little while. Right, rides for a little while, then finds Kruiswijk, who's closer in height. They're about three uh. centimeters different. He's switching with Kruiswijk, who is then the one that gets on his own bike or gets on Vingago's, No, sorry, gets on Van Hoydong's bike. For like three seconds. Oh, so that's why I saw the switch And then gets off of it again. And then the last guy you were seeing that, that comes in at the very end, that's Van Hooydonk showing up on <laughs> Vinigo's broken
1: bike. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> of, uh, just go check out Vinigo's broken bike, yeah. which he's still riding, which suggests to me that Vinigo would have been much faster uh, yeah. to get take, off and fix the chain. I, know, I, 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 I don't want to make it sound like this is this should have been done and this should have been simple for them this, this is an extremely stressful situation but I think that's where the directors need to come in over the radio and bear in mind the pictures that they see in the car are probably 30 seconds delayed also so it's not just as simple as saying yeah. we are we here and you are the there radio. wait for us there's a lot more to it than that but I just think you know with the directors that they have at NAOS or the directors that have at UAE there wouldn't have been that much confusion and somebody would have had the presence of mind to try to at least guide Vinigo uh, to, you know, to first of all, take a proper check of your own bike. Is there any way you can still ride this yeah. bike? Which Van Houten has proved, there is a way you can still ride this bike. He rode it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Which and he got to Vinigo's bike change as quickly as Vinigo got there. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it was a calamity of errors really. Like, what? And, and I, although the riders are what we see on screen, I have to question what was going on in Team Car there. But
2: you think for this stage especially, your your prepped you're almost expecting something to go wrong and you have a plan ready to go so what is is it just because it's so extremely stressful and well it happens in a blink of an eye that i'm you sure panic?
0: I'm, I'm sure that there were okay how tall is is Vingigo? here's the rider that's going to give you their bike if they're nearby is probably yeah, all, t- all, right? team,
2: all teams had that plan as right, well they like, all have FDJ, that plan
0: yeah and then the only rider near him was six foot four <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a consequence of the scenario and you're like you don't know who you're going to be beside when you have an issue oh yeah but what happened there was the rider who was beside him when he had an issue and the rider who had an issue panicked in that moment and said give me your bike but the vinegar could hardly reach the pedals from sitting on the top tube I mean so Van Hooydunk immediately started
0: pulling the chain out so he just tried to fix the situation and then vinegar ran away with his bicycle basically so I, I'm putting I'm putting you're putting a fair amount of this I think on directors which is valid I'm putting a bunch of it on Vingigo because and this maybe just shows the fact that he is relatively inexperienced in this particular arena you know he's he's never he's never really been a, a GC contender before right he kind of came out of nowhere a little bit last year not out of nowhere he was not showing up with a lot of pressure on his shoulders last year no pressure really on, on him last year whatever he did was going to be amazing last year this year is different and I think I think you saw that today I think this is just a, a function of kind of being a little bit new at this and that it's I bet five years from now, when he's won a tour or not,
1: he wouldn't do the same thing yeah. as he did today. And yes, I know I'm sort of laying the blame with the directors, but I think it goes above the directors. I think it goes to the team management and the sort of environment that they're harboring within the team. And it's a team that I have always felt are extremely on edge. Like even think back to paris Bay this year where we were, what, within about but we weren't even within two meters of the bus. And we were being, you know, issued away from yeah. the bus as quickly as possible because our masks weren't covering our nose. St- we're only covering our mouth. Still, you know, and it was just that sort of, While obviously, you know, COVID re- restrictions for a team performance level are, are very important. It was an outdoor environment and it was, we were well back from the team and we had a mask over our mouths, yet they're still, you know, just sort of react in a way that's not a- proportionate to the, to the situation a, that they find themselves in. It's a bit more chaotic, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I said to you a couple of days ago, Johnny, like, I think you feel like if Jumbo Vesna could win one Tour de France, they could win 10. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. Because it they make, uh, figure it out. Yeah. But Just to be clear, we do mask up, obviously, when, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> when we're near bike racing teams. I think we were, I, I don't know what we we're doing. We we're making a podcast they had, they or something They literally yeah, just handed
1: us a drink. coffee. Oh, you, that's You right. cannot drink coffee through your mask. <laughs> <laughs> You've tried. I haven't tried. But I, I know. <laughs> But yeah, it is one of
2: those teams where you expect them to have the efficiency and then sometimes you get a glimpse into like actually bike racing is sort of this like untamable beast and that it exists outside of a rigid world and that things like having three riders dotted across one section of road at, at different intervals looking like some sort of like U2 album artwork does does happen. Yeah. I can't stop watching this
0: GIF, right now. Yeah. You,
2: have to, you have to close the page because it's, it's uh, If you haven't
0: seen it it's yet, the story is called Dissecting Jumbovisma's Cobbled Nightmare. It's worth it just for the GIFs. You can ignore all of my copy and the just nec- go look at the GIFs.
1: <laughs> the next part then is, in the midst of all that, Wild Van Aert passes Vinigo, yeah. who's trying to get he, Van on his bike. He throws he his Spike hand going, up or something. And he doesn't even swing to the side of the road that Vinigo is on. He literally just like waves his hand and says, If you want help... Come with me. Yeah. <laughs> or basically like, catch work. me if you can. And I will help work. You. It did work eventually. He,
0: yeah. he got pulled back, what, two kilometers later? They they yanked him out of that. But well, yeah. again, it suggests so,
1: yeah. to me there was no concrete plan coming into the stage, right? Where no, because you have been second on three stages in a row, and you've got a stage one. Yes, you're in the yellow jersey, but regardless of what happens or where it happens today, you're with Fienico or you're with Roglic, or alternatively, regardless of what happens to those two, you have your own free reign to win today's yeah. stage as well. And it feels like he was given an instruction somewhere in between where he's like, I'll help you if you can come with me, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not waiting. <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about Ruglitch falling down yet, which then added a whole another layer to Well,
0: when to they this. just went past him. Yeah, which which um, that may have not been really anybody's fault because apparently he was off to the side of the road trying to get his shoulder. Yeah, and Van Aert said in. he didn't see him. Yeah, yeah Van Aert didn't see him. You know, it's balancing
2: but, three top stars
0: in an eight-man squad is it, it tricky. Al- it's almost it's, impossible. It's, it's a bit tricky. Anyway, we can move on from from Yumbo. That yeah. they were just they were kind of the story of the day today because they 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 had the most happen to them. When basically. it was also um, both uh, G-
2: Ginetti and Rod Ellingworth of Ineos. They both said outwardly that. Ineos, no, not Ineos, that Jumbo Visma had a shocker. And usually you don't get teams sort of commenting on other teams, but it was so blatant. That it was like, well, for Ineos, for instance, they were like, well, at least, at least we weren't
0: those guys today. Very true. Before we move on, today's episode is also brought to you by Velocio Apparel. Velocio Apparel is driven to find a better way in cycling apparel from unrivaled performance to sustainable fabrics. Velocio guarantees Their gear will improve your cycling experience or you can return it for a full refund. Try any Velocio apparel piece and return it for a full refund with no questions asked within 30 days if you aren't completely satisfied. Listeners to the Cycling Tips podcast can try Velocio now using the code CyclingTips20 for 20% off their first order. That is right, 20% off your first order. Head over to Velocio.cc, that's V-E-L-O-C-I-O.cc for more.
1: I mean, just getting on a bike would improve my riding, cycling experience (laughs) at the moment. I've been 10 days at the biggest bike race in the world, and I've had an hour on a bike.
0: That's what it's like. yeah. We're not getting fit over here in France, We're Kaylee. You've fits. brought
2: a bike, and it's in the back of the car. I know. in the suitcases. But I can't in unpack
1: it until
0: Ronan leaves, and now he's sticking around for an extra well, bunch
1: of days. Uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that far from the start to the finish today. I'm all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We have one more little bit of bad news before we wrap up with some good news. The bad news is that Jack Haig is out of this. The Tour de France yeah. and that is a sad thing
2: he was involved in the crash that Geraint Thomas uh, spoke about before we'll just I'll give you 10-20 seconds on Ineos because we haven't touched on them they okay. had they had a crash they lost some time to Pocket Show, put some time into Roglic Finished them group as Vingegaard. Ultimately, a good day, because I think it could have gone a lot worse. And I think at the at the finish line, the general from Geraint, from Adam Yates, from Rod Ailingworth, it was like, you know what? Could have been better, but could have been a lot worse. And I think on a stage like this, you take there could have been worse. Yeah. But Geraint Thomas was caught behind the Jack Haig and Bahrain crash. Sort of a narrowing of road. We think it might have been the Roglic crash, but they were just a bit further behind. But Jack Haig had to abandon the race. He had a, His elbows all bust up, and then he had... In the in the communicator, lacerations across the back, which always sounds really nasty. You don't know how bad it is, but bad enough to abandon the race. Thanks. It's a shame because he's had. I think he's had bad luck in a couple of previous tours as well. And yeah, either last year or the year before didn't crashed, didn't make it out
1: last year. Also last didn't year, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It's tough, rough. Never like to see that. No. Uh, and he's really he's one of, he's one of the first riders to leave the race. Is he the first rider to leave the race? I
1: believe oh. so. Yes. That's yeah. weird. Isn't that wild? Yeah,
0: it's it's. it's as normally we have like fifteen guys been. gone yeah. by now.
1: <laughs> the first five stages have been incredibly, you know, yeah. tame Mon- in terms of almost mundane. And, yeah, bordering border on the mundane, which which is what you want to see in terms of riders crashing. you, know, yeah. you want to you see good action, but you don't want to see riders GC hopes finishing on the first, second, third, fourth yeah. day, which we do see quite these, often. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah. Our last topic for today.
0: How is Nairo Quintana so good at this? On At, at the bus
2: afterwards, he was like warming down. And every, I don't know where all these Arkea Sam's sick staff members came from, but they just like sort of kept passing through in 30 second intervals, just like passing on the back, almost like, wow, you did that. And it's like, like in 2018, he came, I think it's 24th and finished in the front group about half a minute behind John Degenkolb. And today he was 13th in that main thing. He, he was, he was ahead of a lot of the other guys in that group who you'd be like, you think think Nioh will be hanging on to the back of that group. Yep. There's like pictures on Getty where he's like leading through certain sectors with like quick
0: step guys behind him. He's just crazy. He's a underrated bike handler, I think. I mean, cause it, let's, let's be clear. You know, there are just some sort of realities of physics that go on 59 where, kg. He is, he's under 60 yeah. kilos. He is not a large man. And there are just some realities of physics that generally sort of dictate who is good on the cobbles and who is not. And he defies all of them. And and yeah, I think the reason why I wanted to bring it up is it, this wasn't the first time. Like you say, last time the tour had a cobble stage, he also had a phenomenal day. He's proven a number of times that he can ride really well in these stages. And he's just not the type of rider that you would think would do that. He, he, he doesn't show in any other areas sort of phenomenal handling skill. He's not somebody that's known for his daredevil descending. He's not, none of that stuff. But you put him on cobblestones and he's fine. Crosswinds also. On, and and on an crosswinds. annual basis in Paranese, yeah.
1: nice, he will stick it with the best in the crosswinds early in the race. Yeah. He's just a, he's sort of sneaky, sneaky good he, at that stuff. I think he just has this mindset like, today I need to do this. I will do it. they not time <laughs> not. trials though.
2: Can't do that in the time yeah. trial.
1: But there's, yeah. It's the race of truth. Flandrian-born
2: Nairo van Kintanen, (laughs) as he is now known and will be known from this point forward.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's get into a little bit of Giro real quick. Giro Giro Donne was on its... Wow. (laughs) Here's the funny thing. It was either stage five or six today. There is some confusion at the Giro as to what stage we're on. Allow me to explain. The first day was a 4.5 kilometer time trial. Right. The race itself is calling this a prologue, I believe, whereas, no, sorry, Pro Cycling Stats and GCN, which has been putting coverage up, are calling this a prologue, and so therefore, today is stage five. The race itself is calling it stage one. This is a typical and, cycling <laughs> mess. And so therefore, Today is stage six. It's a four and a half. Again, the, the first day was a four and a half kilometer prologue. To me, that's a prologue. Uh,
1: the the prologue length. I'm, I'm frantically googling it here, but and I can't find it. But to me, it's is it's it like under eight point six yeah. or six point eight. Uh, not kilometers. It's but. eight-ish. <laughs> eight, yeah, eight, it might be eight point <laughs> six kilometers. Then yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 a prologue. We think, um, but also uh, there's no who knows is what stage definitely a prologue. is. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what stage today is? Uh, maybe we'll go with... Should we go with five or six? Fifty-six. What I, Five. Five. I think it's five. Yeah. Because there was a prologue. All right. Yeah. Stage five. five. Uh, Mariana Voss won today. That is her 32nd career Giro win. 32nd career Giro win. And let's keep in mind that this isn't a three-week grand tour. This race is only nine or ten days. Yeah. And she's won 32 of them. <laughs> Just amazing. enemy uh, van Vluten was in poor position ahead of the final climb and had to clip out due to a crash, uh, lending a little bit of suspense in, in what has otherwise not been a particularly suspenseful couple days. Uh, Lisa Longoburghini attacked on the climb with Mariana Voss and Mavi Garcia, and because Garcia was up the road and is sitting uh, kind of within spinning distance of van Vluten, van Vluten had to chase... A reduced group came to the line, and Voss took it. So that's what happened today at the Giro. And we've got an audio diary from Neve Fisher-Black.
4: Hey, um, just finished stage six. Um, What a day. I... Yeah, nice circuit race. I love these kind of races because it's all on the whole day and it's exciting. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I think my hardest challenge today was just uh, holding back because I've been strictly told to be patient because the next few days are going to be hard. And, um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, we knew that there was going to be lots of opportunity for the team today. It uh, was five laps of a of a small circuit with a, a nasty wee climb in it and a nasty wee descent off that climb. So, yeah, positioning was pretty key today. Even if I was uh, trying to save energy, it was important that I stayed at the front and stayed attentive. Um, and, that yeah, we did just that as a team. I think we worked really well together. I had Christine and Elena just perfectly positioned me into the every climb and, and I was always there on the descent. And, yeah, I, I was... I was, uh, yeah, I think I saved as much energy as possible on that circuit then while also being there. Um, so I was really happy with that. And uh, yeah, and then we had a, a nasty reclimb in the final 5K. I think actually the men do it in El Lombardier. It uh, has cobbles in it, so it's, yeah, super nasty. Um, we knew that. Yeah, some, someone would really try there. And for sure, we saw straight away Trek doing a full lead out for uh, Lisa. So, yeah, again, I uh, was delivered really nicely by my teammates. Lot also there with me. And I I uh, couldn't help myself there, but I uh, really tried to follow Voss and Elisa and, and I just couldn't follow them over the top. Uh, so... Uh, but then I was happy to see behind uh, Anna Meek pulling full gas. So I jumped on the back of her and and she closed the gap pretty quickly because obviously Mavi was up there. Um, so I think 600 meters to go, we were back together as a small bunch and I looked behind and I saw Lotta there and I was like, OK, can't let the pace drop now. So uh, I, I went to the front and I did what I could for Lotta and... Yeah, she says to me it was helpful so I'm, I'm glad I could help her in some way and she sprinted to a deserved second place I think and yeah well, I think we can be really happy with that um, yeah so yeah happy with today um, I think we all know that tomorrow and the next couple of days are going to be super hard I hope uh, the effort I made today was uh, not too much on the legs and I still have something there but at the end of the day everyone had to make that effort today so um yeah we're all in the same boat tomorrow it's gonna hurt either way and uh yeah it'll be exciting um, again in white and i think i moved maybe up a couple of gc places today i'm not sure um but yeah check in tomorrow
0: excellent stuff as always thank you neve for filing that little diary let's briefly talk about what's coming up tomorrow at the Tour de France. Johnny, stage six, what do we got? Tomorrow
2: we're in Belgium, which I think is why Ronan's sticking on the race. I've been in
1: Belgium either way.
2: (laughs) That is true. We've got a a Belgian stage. I think it's got a a short, sharp climb at the end. So kind of now we're five, six days in. I kind of can't remember. I can't think of what's going to happen, who's going to win. It's all... After today, I think everything's just gone out the window. And <laughs> we've been a bit focused on today. Yeah, sure. this is kind of dominated, it's like sucked everyone in, and yeah. then everyone, and then it's like, oh, well, we've got the a, a punchy Belgian stage and then super punch straight
0: afterwards. So final stage into Longwy tomorrow. That the final climb is not particularly long. 1.6 kilometers at mm. 5.8%. But that is long enough that it's, you know, it's probably too much for the, the pure sprinters. Uh, if you've been tipping Wout van Aert to win every single stage so far this <laughs> this tour you could probably just continue that tomorrow yeah. i would say uh it may even be well i was going to say it might be a little hard for him but um based on yesterday no no it will <laughs> it will not be uh but there you know there's some other interesting riders he can probably probably consider it also could could be a breakaway day i don't think it's going to be a breakaway day but
2: I think there are too Planche many teams Belf- well, but with the,
0: who come in for stage wins. True. True. Uh, Planche de Belfi is on Friday the day after and so there there's sort of there's the possibility that none of the GC teams really want to take it up, but I I would agree with you, Johnny that there's probably enough teams that want a stage win mm-hmm. in, at this at this Tour de France that it it should come back. It should come back together. I I yeah, Mike Woods. Like there there's a there's there's a lot of different types of riders that could potentially win in a stage like the one tomorrow it's just you know short punchy climb there's it's Julian leap basically if he was here is, yeah. is, is who we would probably it be is sad that for. he's not here isn't it and I'm sure that when when the when ASO designed this stage that's exactly who they thought was gonna yeah. wait <laughs> but as it is we'll have to wait and see
1: before we wrap up for today before we wrap up oh quick quick calculation here Based on the assumption that Mariana Voss has finished every Giro that she started, and based on the assumption that every Giro is either nine stages and a prologue or ten stages, right? she has won 30% of all Giro stages she started. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Absolutely <laughs> insane. The goat. I, I wonder
2: what you were doing on your phone there, and <laughs> I didn't expect it to be that.
0: <laughs> Our podcast bit from Jose today. Or course, as we're calling them. If you want to read these, they're also up on the site every single day. How do Sedan USA, there are about 10 places in the United States called Sedan, Sedan the Car Type, and the City of Sedan all relate? Jose has the answer.
3: After just two days, we briefly leave France again to start the stage in Belgium. Berge is the hometown of Wanti, the sponsor of the intermarche wanti gobert team. It's the second time the Tour de France visits this town in Wallonia. In 2019, it also hosted the start of the stage, and that stage was later won by Julian Alaphilippe in Epernay. It's also the namesake of the last race of the Belgian road season, bench chimere Banche, And in the town of Chimère, halfway into the race, there's an intermediate sprint where the rider who crosses the line first gets his body weight in Chimère-Abbey-Beer. At 220 kilometres, this is the longest stage of this year's Tour de France. Only three stages are longer than 200 kilometres, with stages 2 and 15 being just 202.5 kilometres each. It's a response to the trend to make stages shorter and shorter. One of the reasons behind this is extended television coverage from start to finish. And I know there are people who love a flat through 237 kilometer long stage from start to finish, but ASO wants to cater to a younger public and make the broadcast shorter and more dynamic. The longest Tour de France ever was in 1926, Winner, Lucien Bouyser from Belgium, needed 248 hours and 44 minutes for the 5,745 kilometres long race through France. They had 17 stages that year. 120 riders started in Evian-les-Bains, of which 41 made it all the way to Paris. Gradually, the tour got shorter and shorter. And The last Tour de France of over 4,000 kilometres was in 1987. This century, the total distance is usually between 3,300 and 3,650 kilometres. And this year, we're on the low side with just 3,328 kilometres in total. And this is the shortest race since 2002, which was just 52 kilometres shorter. On the route, we find the city of Sedan. This has nothing to do with a car type, which is named after a chair or windowed cabin for one person carried by at least two porters, front and behind, using wooden rails that pass through brackets on the sides of the chair. The shape of the car sedan resembles that of the chair and the rails. Now, the French city of Sedan is also not named after the 11 sedans in the USA, nor the one in Australia, it's most likely the other way around, because Sedan is a city that was a safe haven for Protestant refugees in the 16th century, like the United States were for European religious refugees in that century. Sedan was an independent Protestant state in the Catholic Kingdom of France. From the reign of King Francis I in 1515, Protestants following the teachings of John Calvin were fiercely persecuted, This continued well into the 16th century and led to massacres where royal troops killed Protestant worshippers. The massacre of Boissy, not that far from Sedan, was the start of the French wars of religion. and There were wars raging everywhere in France, and the small state of Sedan was just not a priority for the French king. For years it blossomed as an independent state where Protestants were safe from persecution. In 1642, the state lost its independence and privileges after its ruler, Frédéric Maurice, plotted to overthrow Cardinal Richelieu, the Prime Minister of France. Nowadays, Sedan is a relatively quiet provincial town of about 16,000, dominated by a rather impressive castle, which is one of the biggest in Europe. Building started in 1424 and was finally completed in 1530. It has seven floors, walls that are seven meters in thickness and measures 35,000 square meters. It has served as a garrison of the French army, Napoleonic troops and a German hospital in World War I before the French army eventually gave it back to the French state in 1962. And it's now a museum and a hotel.
0: All right, guys, that's it for us tonight let's uh let's get out of here we got to drive to brussels for no apparent reason <laughs> we'll see you in belgium yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in belgium tomorrow thank you for listening to the tour daily it's the tips podcast here every single day from the tour de france we love hearing from you there's been a lot of people reaching out on twitter on the bella club slack etc cetera, etc cetera. if you want to hear some more of something some less of something you just got a question you think we should answer We can go ask the people that might know if we don't know ourselves and answer that for you on the pod. So get in touch. Love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.